This is Finding Center, a daily half-hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Discerning Through Faith. Robert D. Hales, presiding bishop of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when this address was given, will give his message entitled, Understandings of the Heart. I'd like to talk today about the understandings of the heart and the learning process. Each time I come to Brigham Young University, I realize that I'm standing before a royal army, prepared to go out and be in the world and not of the world. BYU is an exceptional university of learning because it was founded on the premise that all subjects taught here would be taught with a special spirit of learning. Yes, a special spirit of learning that would allow you to develop your gifts and your talents and prepare each of you for the tests of life, enabling those who come here to be temporally and spiritually self-sufficient, not just for their own goals and creature comforts, but to stand strong on higher ground to lift, to help, and to serve others. The purpose of life, you are preparing to meet the tests of mortal life. We voluntarily came from the presence of God the Father to this mortal probation with free agency, knowing we would have opposition in all things. Our objective is to take upon us the whole armor and withstand the fiery darts of the adversary with our sword of spirit and shield of faith, to endure to the end and be worthy to stand and live in the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ for all eternities to achieve what is called eternal life. What is our preparation? for the tests of life. Most of you are in your third decade of learning. The first two decades were years of development and growth in preparation for this third critical decade of learning. This is a period of your life to prepare for the tests of future years. How do you prepare for the tests to come? With all thy getting, get understanding, we are told. In the Bible, the book of Proverbs outlines a progression of learning that is important to all of us. We are taught that basic intelligence and worldly knowledge which is learned are the beginnings for our progression to wisdom. Wisdom being the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as stated in Proverbs. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto counsel. Again, Proverbs 1 and 5. From wisdom, if we will listen to wise counsel and take the teachings to our hearts, we will gain the understanding in our hearts to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding, again in Proverbs, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply in thy heart to understanding. Lift us up thy voice for understanding. If thou speakest, her as a, if thee seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 2, verses 2 through 6. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting get understanding. Proverbs 4 and 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Again, Proverbs. 
When we've done wrong, Solomon's advice is, My son, despise not the chastenings of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. The difference between intelligence and knowledge at the lower end of the hierarchy of learning and wisdom which comes through life's experiences turning us to the Lord and ultimately to learning in our hearts is shown again in Proverbs in a simple scripture. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. There is a great deal of difference between raw intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, and finally, the understanding in which the Lord established the heavens. This learning process applies to all of us, but especially to you who are studying at this unique university, because this university recognizes the progression of learning that begins with God-given innate intelligence. It recognizes knowledge through your courses of study, then the attainment of wisdom, recognizing obedience to laws, ordinances, and commandments, ultimately leading to an understanding in your hearts of true gospel principles that far exceed the teaching of men. This education leads us to our gifts and talents in selfless service, helping others and caring for the needy. The importance of understanding in one's heart is that our faith in believing becomes a full knowledge of understanding, and it causes us to control our actions. In three decades of counseling, I have become aware of many ways we may be tested. Here are but a few tests of those assembled here today that you may face in your lives. Will you be prepared? How will you respond? The test for some will be single, possibly lonely. Are you prepared to be self-sufficient and productive, and are you prepared to help others, even though you are lonely and hurting? The test for some will be being married to the wrong person, resulting in abuse and divorce. Then the test will be to provide for a family without a partner's support. Some will have the test of not being able to have a child. The test may come even when you have lived faithfully, abided by moral laws and commandments of chastity, faithfulness, fidelity, and love to an eternal companion. A sobering thought, but one that should be noted in your prayers, is the national studies that have shown that about one in five men and two in five women will have complications or will be unable to have children. Sometimes a physical law will circumvent a spiritual goal which you may have, and you may have the, to consider the alternative adoption. The test is not to base your testimony on one goal or allow the bitter disappointment to prevent you from enjoying your companionship and greater goal of eternal progression together. The test for some will be having the children, who will both be a joy and the trial of your life. Some will have the test of being widowed or experience the death of a loved one. The test is not to become angry and blame your departed one who left you alone, to blame God for allowing it to happen, or to blame yourself for having done something to cause the death. All of these are common in the years in which I have dealt with these tests of others. Some will have the test of illness and poor health, 
Some will have friends and companions betray a trust. For some, the test will be financial woes of employment failure, economic depression, unwise investments. We are all vulnerable. Invulnerability. Wouldn't we all like to avoid the tests and trials of this mortal probation? Achilles, one of the heroes of Greek mythology, was the hero of Homer's Iliad. In addition to Homer's historical account of Achilles, later authors developed fables or folklore about Achilles and his mother, Thetis. Thetis, in an attempt to make Achilles immortal, concealed him by night in fire and anointed him by day with ambrosia. According to some accounts, Thetis also endeavored to make Achilles immortal by dipping him in the river Styx in Greece. She succeeded in making Achilles invulnerable, immortal, with the exception of the ankles by which she held him. Achilles grew up to be an invincible warrior, leading the Greek army against Troy. The death of Achilles is mentioned in the Odyssey. He is said to have been killed by Apollo, either in the likeness of Paris or by an arrow of Paris directed by Apollo to his only vulnerable part of his body, his ankle. Wouldn't every mother like to find the secret protection for her child, making them invulnerable from the fiery darts of the adversary? Unfortunately, we cannot protect ourselves from the slings and arrows of misfortune. In fact, we're told to carry the shield of faith to protect us from the fiery darts of the adversary. We also know from Lehi's advice to his son Jacob that there must be opposition in all things in this mortal probation. A basic reason for our learning experience in this life is to enable us to endure to the end. Our challenges, learning experiences, and opposition are supposed to strengthen us, not defeat or destroy us. Joseph Smith pled with the Lord in Liberty Jail for the suffering saints. Joseph, with several companions, had been in Liberty Jail under miserable circumstances for several months. He pled, O oh God, where art thou? How long shall thy hand be stayed, thy pure eye behold from the eternal heavens the wrongs of thy people, and thy ear be penetrated with their cries? How long shall they suffer the wrongs and unlawful oppressions, before thine heart shall be softened toward them, and thy bowels be moved with compassion toward them? The Lord's clear answer was calming. My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a moment. And then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high, thou shalt triumph over thy foes." End of quote. Our hurts, as difficult as they are to endure and as unbearable as they are and seem to us in the present tense of time, are in the Lord's eternal perspective but a small moment. The test is whether we endure the adversity and affliction well without losing our faith and breaking commandments. Joseph was told in his difficult circumstances that God shall give unto you knowledge by the Holy Ghost, yea, by the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost. We have that same gift if we will but remain faithful. How important it is during troubled times, when we are tested, that we do not do anything to lose the Holy Ghost's gentle persuasions, comfort, and peace that will give us assurance to make the correct choices in life in order to weather the storm and bring us closer to God's ways, not man's ways. Joseph was told, Thy friends do stand by thee, and they shall hail thee again with warm hearts and friendly hands. 
Thou shalt not be like Job. Thy friends do not contend against thee, neither charge thee with transgression, as they did Job. Our friends are important at all times, especially in times of need, when we are depressed with a feeling of loneliness and despair. Choosing our friends wisely is important. In times of trouble, do your friends stand by you? What kind of a friend or companion are you? Often we choose our friends by their physical appearance and personalities. The best dancer, fashionable clothes, geographic home area, city or rural, east or west, athletic ability, the sharpest car, the most handsome, the most beautiful, charming personality, the most intelligent, the richest or the poorest, are just a few of the criteria for selecting dates and friends. These are all superficial. The first test of friendship and companionship is knowing that in their company it is easier to live according to the commandments you have been taught and know how important it is to your happiness. The second test of real friendship and companionship is whether you are asked as a condition of this friendship and companionship to choose between their way and the Lord's way. For example, true friendship does not exist if a condition of that friendship is to participate in breaking moral laws, word of wisdom, with phrases like, try it just once. Everyone does it. Who is going to know? Show me that you really love me. Please choose your friends carefully. My point in naming a few of the tests we face is to remind you that blessings come after the trial of our faith and that the opposition is given an essential element in our mortal probation and spiritual growth, even though we are as perfect as Job. Yet Job suffered the loss of his material possessions. His sons and daughters were taken from him. Boils from head to foot were inflicted as painful physical test, and depression is a mental test. In his depression, Job said, My soul is weary of life. I will speak in bitterness of my soul. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. At one point he said, I never should have seen the light of day from my mother's womb. I am full of confusion. In all of Job's trouble, he wept for him that was in trouble, and his soul grieved for the poor, the mark of a great man. In all Job's trials, he kept his testimony that his Redeemer liveth. And at the end of the first chapter of Job, it says, He sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. When we are marred spiritually or physically, our first reaction is withdrawn into dark shadows of depression, to blot out hope and joy, the light of life which comes from knowing we are living the commandments of our Father in heaven. This withdrawal will ultimately lead us to rebellion against those who would like to be our friends, those who can help us most, even our own family. But worst of all, we finally reject ourselves. Those who are alone and lonely should not retreat to the sanctuary of their private thoughts and chambers. Such retreat will ultimately lead them into the darkening influence of the adversary, which leads to despondency, loneliness, frustration, and to thinking of themselves as worthless. After one thinks of himself as worthless, he then oftentimes turns to associates who will corrode those delicate spiritual contacts, rendering their spiritual receiving antennas and transmitters useless. What good is it to associate and to ask advice of someone who is disoriented himself and only tells us what we want to hear? 
Isn't it better to turn to loving parents, friends, associates, who can help us reach for and attain celestial goals? Quote, and he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but they understood not, and see indeed, but they perceived not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and be converted, and be healed. What can you do to prepare yourself during your college years for the tests and trials of life? First, you must learn to work hard towards your goals, to pray for strength and guidance in your daily decisions, always acknowledging, Thy will be done. Second, study the scriptures, history, biographic literature, and psychology to give you an insight on how others have met life's challenges and, with a testimony, endured to the end. Third, select friends and an eternal companion in whom you can seek counsel and will lift you and make life easier to live the commandments by just being with them. I have been so chosen to have a companion who lives. Learn to be of service and help to others in their tests, no matter how busy you are or how much you're hurting from your tests and trials of your faith. Fifth, learn that even in a perfect life, the tests and trials will come. But remember that you too can bring affliction upon yourself and those near you through your own actions and be willing to accept the actions which you take and the consequences which come and don't blame it on God. Learn that when you have made a mistake, regrets are not enough. Feeling sorry is not enough unless your sorrow brings about a remorse of conscience and a change of heart resulting in true repentance. Learn that true education is not only test scores and grade point averages, but also gaining wisdom through life's experiences, listening to sound counsel, gaining an understanding in your heart, and caring for others less fortunate. Then no amount of temptation, tests, trials, or coercion can make you depart from the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life. You have to learn that in mortal probation you are here for tests and trials even though your life is perfect, I repeat for emphasis. Nine, learn to know yourself while you're at this university. You are in a laboratory which simulates the world with individual competition and the inner stress of learning. There will never be a better time in your life to have the contemplation and introspection needed to know yourself. Take time to ponder who you are and act accordingly. General education requirements are not only to give a well-rounded education, but also an opportunity to assess your intellectual and spiritual strengths and weaknesses. What are your God-given gifts and talents? Elder Bruce R. McConkie in his book The Mortal Messiah has said, being subject to law and having their agency, all the spirits of men, while yet in the eternal presence, developed aptitudes, talents, capabilities, and abilities to even sort, kind, and degree. During the long expanse of life, which then was an infinite variety of talents and abilities, came into being. As the ages rolled on, no two spirits remained alike. Mozart became a musician. Einstein centered his interest in mathematics. Michelangelo turned his attention to painting. Cain was a liar, a schemer, 
a rebel who maintained a close affinity to Lucifer. Abraham and Moses and all of the prophets sought and obtained the talent of spirituality. Mary and Eve were two of the greatest of all spirit daughters of the Father. The whole house of Israel, known and segregated out from their fellows, were inclined towards spiritual things, and so it went through all the hosts of heaven, each individual developing each talent and ability as his soul desired. The Lord endowed us all with agency. He gave us laws that would enable us to advance and progress and become like Him, and He counseled and exhorted us to pursue the course leading to glory and exaltation. He Himself was the embodiment and personification of all good things. Every desirable characteristic trait dwelt in Him in its eternal fullness. All of His obedient children started to become like Him in one way or another. There was as great a variety and degree of talent and ability among us there as there is among us here. Some excelled in one way, others in another. The firstborn excelled all of us in all things." End of quote. Have you given yourself an honest chance to develop your natural skills, or are you limiting your development to the requirements for graduation or a profession without assessing how you will make the greatest contribution and be the happiest? during your sojourn on life. Before a 70s quorum meeting a few years ago, one of the 70s was asked if he could play the piano. His response was classic, I don't know, I've never tried to play the piano. Your university educational experience should be a microcosm of life. For this reason, if the opportunity presents itself, serving on committees in student government, social committees, interactions with the faculty and university administration, will simulate civic involvement in your future life. Your social committees and social awareness and interactions are all part of the laboratory in which you are privileged to participate. Some years ago, when Howard S. MacDonald was inaugurated president of Brigham Young University in an inaugural address entitled The Glory of God as Intelligence, Dr. Edwin A. Lee said, While I was an undergraduate at Columbia University, there was a man in attendance already known as a perennial student. He had been left a modest but adequate bequest with the stipulation that it should continue as long as he was engaged in collegiate study. Thereafter, the income was to be given to charity. When I returned for graduate work 12 years later, he was still there, and he remained a student until he died just a few years ago. There's a few wives who hope this isn't their husband. It was said that he had been granted every degree offered by Columbia and had taken practically every course. He was a man who was the epitome of erudition. No field of knowledge was foreign to him. He was probably more widely read than the best of his professors. He was a cultured gentleman, but he was not truly an intelligent man. Certainly such intelligence as he possessed was not that which is the glory of God. Inherently, he was selfish. He never married. He was without ambition or influence. He was a joke to the students a freak to the faculty. He knew a prodigious lot, but his real index of intelligence was low, no matter what his intelligence quotient." End of quote. And so knowledge of facts alone can be of little value. In the 46th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 8, it tells us to beware, but ye are deceived. Seek ye earnestly the best gifts, always remembering for what they were given. They are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep all my commandments, that all may be benefited 
that seek or that ask me. All have not every gift given to them. To some is given one, to some is given another. The key is that all may be profited thereby. May I repeat for emphasis that your gifts and talents are within you, that all may be profited thereby. And all these gifts come from God for the benefit of the children of God. He that asketh in spirit shall receive in spirit, in order that every member may be profited thereby. The reason you are here at the university is not solely to improve your value in the marketplace or for selfish reasons of intellectual gamesmanship. You are here for eternal perspective of learning, to enable you to stand on higher ground, to lift, to serve, to care for those in need around you, both in your family and in the communities in which you will reside. Thee lift me, and I'll lift thee, and we'll ascend together, is a phrase that my companion has given me and my boys over the years. Thee lift me, and I'll lift thee, and we'll ascend together. Please remember to give. Before you leave this unique institution of learning, give appreciation. Deserve praise to members of this faculty and staff for their dedication to the eternal principles of learning. A sincere recognition of a teacher's contribution to your life is small payment for their sacrifice to share their gifts and talents with the many who pass through this marvelous institution without acknowledgment for their service. In closing, I'd like to talk a stewardship statement. It is not doctrine. It comes from President McKay. In June of 1965, a group of brethren in the Physical Facilities Department of the Church were doing some work outside the Hotel Utah apartment of President McKay. As President McKay stopped to explain to them and give appreciation of the importance of their work in which they were engaged, he paused and told them the following things. Let me assure you, brethren, that someday you will have a personal priesthood interview with the Savior himself. If you are interested, I'll tell you the order in which he will ask you to account for your earthly responsibilities first. He will request an accountability report about your relationship with your wife. Have you actively been engaged in making her happy and ensuring that her needs have been met as an individual? Second, he will want an accountability report about each of your children individually. He will not attempt to have this for simply a family stewardship report, but will request information about your relationship to each and every child. Third, he will want to know what you personally have done with your talents you were given in the pre-existence. And that's where I've spent my time talking with you today. Fourth, he will want a summary of your activity in your church assignments. He will not necessarily be interested in what assignments you've had. For in his eyes, the home teacher, a mission president, and I'd like to add a general authority, are probably equals. But he will request a summary of how you have been of service to your fellow men in your church assignments. Fifth, he will have no interest in how you earned your living, but if you were honest in all your dealings. Sixth, he will ask for an accountability of what you have done to contribute in a positive manner to your community, state, country, and the world. May we be able to meet these tests with an affirmative answer and receive a loving response from him who will welcome us home. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
It is my fervent desire that each of us will use our God-given intelligence to gain the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in our hearts to meet life's tests and trials and to endure to the end. May each of us use our gifts and talents to protect, love, lift each other in a caring way is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Discerning Through Faith. Robert D. Hales gave his message entitled Understandings of the Heart. Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU Radio app, available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.